Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Elizabeth and John Calvert disappeared on March 3rd, 2008. When a person disappears without a trace, Often the most critical information is hidden in their actions and words from the days before they vanished. The Calvert's last known whereabouts may hold the clues to what happened to them. A much-loved couple, Liz and John Calvert, owners of a yachting resort, living the good life. They enjoyed being with family and friends and doing things that um, brought a richness to life. But their business is in trouble she was starting to suspect that there might be some embezzlement going on. They confront their former bookkeeper. The former accountant, you know, told Liz, I, I got it figured out. You know, it's, it's like a computer glitch, no worries. The next day, when the couple's nowhere to be found, police questioned the accountant. He told us a lot uh, that were later found to be lies. Where are the Calverts? And what does this crime scene have to do with them? There was 360 degrees of blood in that bathroom. On Monday, March 3rd, 2008, the day they disappear, Elizabeth and John Calvert meet with their former accountant at 6 p.m. The meeting is about the troubled finances of their yachting resort, called Harbortown. 
located in picturesque Hilton Head Island, South Carolina. We have all of the water-related sports here, kayaking, parasailing, tours and cruises, fishing. They also had a, um, a rental property business that they rented out condominiums and apartments. Until recently, business was going well. When the Calverts acquired Harbortown Yacht Basin in 2005, John, an engineer and boating enthusiast, cultivated a laid-back and friendly atmosphere. John was in love with the Harbortown Yacht Basin and just loved the people in, you know, trying to come up with ideas to make their experiences more fun. Liz was, you know, behind him and kind of the practical side. Liz helps John at Harbortown half the week. She also practices corporate law in nearby Savannah, Georgia. She um, was a tax attorney and, and she thrived in it. She liked understanding the nuances of the tax laws and very much detail-oriented, very much wanted to find out the resolution to a situation. Liz plans to leave her law practice and work full-time managing Harbortown with John by spring of 2008. They'll keep their houses in Atlanta and Savannah, but live on their yacht docked at the marina. I think they had life figured out. I think they, they enjoyed things together and enjoy each other. At the end of 2007, Liz takes on some accounting duties. As part of a gradual transition to her new role managing Harbortown, while John continues catering to the clientele. I thought, what, a, what an amazing team they were going to make. Until Liz's involvement, Harbortown's bookkeeping had always been handled by an outside company, a local management firm called The Club Group. They were a hired management company to take care of the financial end. They actually wrote the checks. They were John and Liz's financial arm. The club group's financial and accounting practice is run by 54-year-old Dennis Gerwing, a well-liked member of the Hilton Head community. John and Dennis had been friends for years. We had worked with Dennis for 20 years. Although Dennis had already been managing Harbortown's finances prior to the Calvert's acquisition, Liz never felt completely comfortable with him. Liz was never really one to let other people manage her money, but because the gentleman uh, that was managing the books from her perspective was someone that had been involved with the business before they purchased it, and they had every reason to, to trust him. But as Liz eases into her new role, she can't help but notice what seemed like careless accounting errors. She was starting to go through the books and had uncovered some discrepancies that she couldn't quite explain. And uh, knowing Liz, was going to spend whatever time she needed to try to get to the bottom of it. They decide that all of Harbortown's accounting should be in-house and under Liz's control by December 31st. They let the other firm go, you know, at the end of 2007, and then she started uh, in earnest, um, you know, January 1 of 2008, you know, being the being the accountant, if you will. And at first she didn't have any real concerns, but, you know, she just thought that there were some things that needed explanations. John believes that whatever the problem, Dennis can shed light on the confusion easily enough. But Liz takes a more aggressive approach. It was like there was... Bills weren't getting paid. We couldn't get balance sheets. Um, there were just... you would ask about something and you just couldn't get the answers that you were looking for. And it made Liz very nervous. 
Liz is beginning to think that the bookkeeping discrepancies might involve missing monies. She didn't go to a lot of detail about what she was finding, but she really wanted to, to get to the bottom of it before she started accusing people. It was just her nature to assume that there was a reasonable explanation. She was going to approach it in a very logical, very professional way. At some point, she came to a conclusion that she was going to, to talk to the accountant about that. On Sunday afternoon, March 2, 2008, Liz has a quick meeting with Dennis Gerwing. He says there's a reasonable explanation for the accounting errors. The former accountant, you know, told Liz, I, I got it figured out. You know, it's, it's like a computer glitch, no worries. So why don't you bring John back tomorrow and have another meeting and we'll, we'll just talk about it at that time. So she confronted him essentially by herself on that Sunday, but then was deferred to bring John back the next day to kind of hammer it all out. The next afternoon, Monday, Liz is on her way from her office in Savannah to the next meeting she has with Dennis Gerwing at 6 p.m. As she drives, Liz calls her friend Terry McClure to have a quick chat. The topic turns to the potentially awkward meeting that Liz is about to attend with Dennis Gerwing. And I remember trying to making a joke about her. I was like, you, you're going to do this in public, aren't you? And uh, she's like, oh, yeah, there's no reason to be concerned. While Liz and Terry talk, John Calvert is touching base with Harbor Master Nancy Kappelman before he goes off to the meeting with Gerwing. Ended up talking to John about 4.30 on the phone, and we had planned to meet uh, Tuesday morning. Neither Nancy Kappelman nor Terry McClure know it, but these conversations would be the last they have with their close friends, Liz and John Calvert. The next morning of March 4th, Harbortown is awash in sun and crisp spring air. Harbormaster Nancy Kappelman arrives at the marina to open for the day. She finds the lights inside the office are still turned on. It's unusual, and I think it's odd, but then I think John and Liz must have worked late last night and just left the light on. And I walked in, and I saw John's briefcase, which was another kind of odd thing, because I'd never seen his briefcase before. And I continued on into my office, and there was the file with all the statements in it that uh, Liz had said she and John were going to get out the night before, which was pretty unusual for them not to do something that they say they're going to do. Nancy goes about her morning as usual, until 10 o'clock passes, without so much as a call from John Calvert. He also doesn't show up for the meeting they'd scheduled. So I started calling him. It, it rang. It rang and went to their message. So I left a message, let me know when to expect you. It appears that the Calvert cell phones are uncharacteristically turned off. Oh, it's very unusual. They're very responsible, and they were very responsive. You could always count on them. Nancy assumes something came up last minute for Liz and John, so she patiently waits. But as the day progresses, she becomes increasingly concerned. We had a meeting at 4 o'clock scheduled. John would never miss that meeting. And uh, so it finally, about 3.30, I just canceled the meeting. Nancy sends an employee over to the yacht that the Calverts live aboard. We went on the boat and uh, went through the boat and uh, came back and told me that there was nobody on the boat. They do find the Calverts' cat, T.C., waiting to be fed. Also... 
Liz's car is parked in her usual space at the marina's lot, but John's Mercedes is nowhere to be found. Have the Calverts taken an impromptu trip? It isn't like them to leave without word. Nancy starts trying to track them down. I knew that I had to do something. I had to figure something out. I called uh, one of Liz's associates over the law firm in Savannah to, uh, to get Dave's contact information. In Atlanta, Liz's brother, David White, is leaving work when he gets Nancy's call. I remember it pretty vividly. It was Nancy saying, hey, you know, have you heard from John and Liz? You know, we're trying to track them down. Or, you know, I didn't know where exactly they were, but I just felt like, you know, okay, no worries. You know, I'll give them a call and left voicemail messages. Meanwhile, Nancy calls the Calvert's former accountant, Dennis Gerwing. I asked if he had talked to John or Liz that day, and he said no. He hadn't seen him or talked to him. So I suggested that I call the chief of security which I did. About 24 hours after the Calverts were last heard from, Nancy Kappelman files missing persons reports with the Beaufort County Sheriff's Office in South Carolina. In Atlanta, Georgia, David White does the same. I met the police over at their house here in Atlanta, let them in, looked around, and they ruled that, you know, no one had been or disturbed the house. Like most missing adult investigations, this one is initially routine. There was a possibility from the beginning that John Elizabeth Calvert decided they were going to leave town and not let anybody know. There, there's nothing wrong with that. This explanation sounds reasonable to Nancy Kappelman, but there's still one thing that's gnawing at her. I, I didn't want to bring it up because I didn't feel like it had anything to do with it, but, but finally, I told him that, that Liz had concerns that there was some financial improprieties in, in the accounting. That got their interest at that point. The Calvert's business turns out to be in deep financial trouble. She just said that there was a substantial amount of money missing. Liz and John Calvert, the owners of a resort in Hilton Head, South Carolina, haven't been seen or heard from for about 36 hours. Police quickly locate Liz's car and her small airplane, which they find parked in its space at Hilton Head's airport. But John's car is missing. John had a Mercedes, and uh, it wasn't in the parking lot on Tuesday. And Wednesday morning, I, I drove through all the parking lots looking to see if it was anywhere around. Couldn't find it. The Calvert's friend and colleague, Nancy Kappelman, initially thinks there's a simple but troubling explanation. My fear was that they had gone somewhere in the car and they had had an accident. Back at the Calvert's business, Harbortown Yacht Basin, the Beaufort County Sheriff's Office begins to investigate. We were about 26 hours behind. When we got the report on March 4th, it was close to 7 p.m., and the last time the Calverts had been seen were March 3rd, about 6 p.m. Employees tell them it's possible the last person to see the Calverts is their former accountant, Dennis Gerwing. The Calverts met with him that Monday evening, March 3rd. 
the sheriff decides to send his investigators over the next day to have a chat with Mr. Gerwing. The next morning, investigators arrive at the club group to find Dennis Gerwing sitting in the same office where he apparently met with the Calverts two evenings earlier. He seemed concerned. He was basically telling us that he, they, they met and they discussed some financial issues and, and then they, they departed. Gerwing doesn't tell detectives the exact nature of the financial issues, but he does say they stem from an earlier discussion he had with Liz Calvert about the company's financial records. Liz um, was kind of put off by Dennis and told her that, you know, I'm not going to discuss this with you alone. I'm going to discuss it with you and John together. And that's when the March 3rd meeting happened. By the time of Gerwing's questioning, investigators already know from other sources where Liz Calvert had been shortly before the 6 o'clock meeting on March 3rd. And Gerwing seems to corroborate it. When we noted she went to her the yellow jacket, which was their home, so to speak, here on Hilton Head. She changed clothes and went to this meeting. John had already uh, responded to the meeting. He was with Dennis. Gerwing says that Liz arrived at about 6.15, 15 minutes late. But the meeting only went on for another 15 minutes. Dennis Gerwing said uh, that Liz just said, John, come on, we got to go. And they left. They never got to the point of discussing the issues at hand. Dennis says she didn't, you know, express why they had to leave um, and commented they saw them getting in the same car. Gerwing says when he left for home 10 minutes later, John's Mercedes was gone, but he saw Liz's Mini still parked in his office lot, though he didn't think much of it. He had assumed at that point that they may have left and gone to dinner. But later, Liz's car somehow made it to its usual parking space back at Harbortown. After leaving work, Gerwing says he took the long way home, stopping at a gas station on the way. He said he got gas, bought a lottery ticket, and proceeded into the gated community where he lives. As Dennis explains his comings and goings, investigators can't help but notice a cut on his right hand. There was a a few inch laceration in the web of his right hand. It was very suspicious, indicating that he went home after the meeting with the Calverts and uh, in the process of opening a wine bottle, it broke and he cut his hand. Gerwing tells cops he went back to work, stopping by a local pharmacy, a CVS near his office, to buy Band-Aids for his cut. He says he worked till around midnight, then went back home to bed. Dennis Gerwing has lived in Hilton Head for over 20 years, has a solid reputation as an accountant, and until being questioned, has never had any run-ins with police. Dennis Gerwing uh, was sociable. He had a few close friends uh, that owned local businesses and was trusted with a lot of money. He was not on the law enforcement radar at all. Gerwing continues to cooperate by giving police consent to search his office, home, and two vehicles. Investigators examine his Toyota Avalon and find nothing out of the ordinary. Then they inspect Gerwing's GMC Yukon, which has just come back from a repair shop. They immediately notice that it has been thoroughly vacuumed. When that car was examined, one of the bench seats was missing from the car. He offered the explanation that he was moving furniture. Oh no, there's no witnesses to indicate that at all. Police are skeptical, but do not come away with anything conclusive. 
We found no evidence linking the Calverts to either of Dennis Gerwing's vehicles. Next, an evidence team turns its sights on Gerwing's office. Although it is remarkably clean, there are no obvious red flags. At Gerwing's home, another well-kept place, officers do spot something unusual. A small pile of sandy dirt on the kitchen floor and a freshly soiled shovel leaning against the outside of the house. Dennis Gerwing offered the explanation that he had been doing some repair work to his irrigation system outside. Well, there was no evidence of any digging, so the investigators became suspicious that maybe this shovel and the dirt on the kitchen floor had something to do with the Calvert's disappearance. And when they checked the trash where he says he threw the wine bottle away, there was no broken bottle at all. Adding to their suspicions is a search of Gerwing's phone records. It seems his cell phone was deactivated at around 7.30 p.m., shortly after he met with the Calverts, and powered off until 11.15 a.m. the next day, almost 16 hours later. Why did he power off his cell phone? Did he know that we would use GPS to track his whereabouts? It were extremely obvious that something here is not right. With so many suspicious inconsistencies, the sheriff decides within hours of the initial interview to quietly change Gerwing's status from a mere witness to a person of interest in the disappearance of Liz and John Calvert. Investigators contacted him via phone and asked him to come back in for another interview the following day and to take a polygraph. Gerwing asks if he's now being considered a suspect, but because police have no evidence linking him to any crime, they tell him no. He was asked to come back for another interview just to get a few things straightened out in his statement. Gerwing reluctantly agrees to cooperate, but that phone call would prove to be the last direct contact between him and the sheriff's office. Dennis Gerwing retained counsel. Either that night or the next morning, the attorney called and said he wouldn't be in. It's a huge blow to the sheriff's investigation. Although Gerwing's statements don't add up, Investigators still have no evidence to implicate him in the Calvert's disappearance. The last person known to have seen the Calvert's has now clammed up and is not talking at all. So you can imagine what that did as far as the progress of the case. What comes next is an even bigger blow to friends and family. I was scared. I didn't know what was gonna happen with the business. I wasn't real sure where to turn. When I learned that they had found the car, you're like, all right, maybe there's some pieces here, there's some logic to it. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. 
That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Janice from Warner Brothers Discovery. Have you ever heard the expression, perfect is the enemy of good? I think about that a lot, especially when it comes to my body and health, because perfect does not exist. It's a total trap. Noom isn't into this perfection thing either. Its unique approach is tailored to each person's psychology and biology. From coaching to recipes, Noom's app provides personalized information to help you on your journey, no one else's journey. I also think it's great that Noom doesn't restrict what you can eat, and it doesn't shame you for treating yourself. And treat yourself, you should. What's more, Noom's approach is grounded in science. They've even published more than 30 peer-reviewed scientific articles about how they work. To date, Noom has helped more than 5.2 million people lose weight by helping them build new habits for a healthier lifestyle. So why not give it a try? Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first-ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. It's the morning of March 6th, 2008. A little over two days have passed since John and Elizabeth Calvert were last seen by their former accountant, Dennis Gerwing. At first, he agrees to help with the investigation, but then he hires a lawyer and cancels a polygraph exam. And that really hurt or hindered our investigation because, again, the last person to see the Calverts made himself unaccessible to us. Meanwhile, the Calvert's friends and family hold a tenuous vigil, hoping they will get some answers if police can find a silver Mercedes. There was a car that was missing. John's car was, um, they didn't know where that was. Although the Calverts have only been missing a short time, Liz's brother David White says their business, Harbortown, is already starting to founder. They were the only ones that had the ability to um, financially move this business along. So all of a sudden, I, you know, I was confronted with, what do we do with the business? We can't pay bills. We can't, you know, pay salary. Well, I was scared. I was scared. I didn't, I didn't know what happened to them. I didn't know what was going to happen to us. David jumps into the fray, hoping to keep Harbortown afloat while employees work overtime. We were putting up posters. We were trying to talk to everyone we could think of to talk to. Local news outlets search for the Calverts as well, plastering the affluent couple's image over front pages and TV screens. Savannah, Georgia TV reporter Holly Bounds has never seen such media interest. Typically, an everyday news story, it'll be your three local TV stations and two newspapers, max. This one, we had all national television stations there, and I think that the sheriff's office was just in an absolute overload. 
we were getting calls, you know, I saw a, a silver Mercedes, or I saw this, or I saw that, and, and we were tracking those leads down as they came in. The Beaufort County Sheriff's Office is coordinating its largest search effort in recent history. We utilized every resource that we had available to us. We utilized the South Carolina Wildlife Department, you know, South Carolina DNR, Depart Department of Natural Resources. We had the FBI involved early on, and, uh, you know, SLED, uh, State Law Enforcement Division including the, the local Hilton Head Island Fire Department for some man searches. Late into the night of March 6th, these efforts finally pay off. While canvassing parking lots, deputies find John Calvert's silver Mercedes. It's parked at a hotel the Calverts never checked into, and it's six miles away from where it was last seen. It appeared that someone had, had driven into the, the parking lot and found the first space available, got out of it and left. That vehicle had been taken there by a single uh, occupant because there were, there were coffee cups and other things that were on the, the passenger seat. When I learned that they had found the car, you're like, all right, you know, maybe there's some pieces here, there's some logic to it. The forensics uh, team. They process with chemicals, they look for fibers, hairs, anything that, anything that would put somebody in that car. And uh, we found no evidence that would indicate any criminal activity linking Dennis Growing to that car. It was just a natural looking car. Without any blood, DNA, or fingerprints that would indicate foul play, investigators are back to square one. It didn't solve any mysteries. It actually created a mystery for us as how the car got there. And the Calvert's loved ones can no longer hold out hope that the Mercedes was taken on a road trip. With more questions than answers, authorities redouble their efforts to check accountant Dennis Gerwing's movements after he met with the Calvert's. What stands out immediately is Gerwing's claim that he visited a CVS drugstore after he cut his hand. His explanation for the cut was that when he was opening a, bo a bottle of wine, it broke and it cut his hand. And then, then he went to the CVS to buy some Band-Aids. The pharmacy's cash register and surveillance video show that Dennis Gerwing did in fact buy Band-Aids the night of March 3rd. Except it happened at 7.15 p.m., almost three hours earlier than he claimed. Of course, he left out the fact that he went in, bought some Band-Aids, went back out to the parking lot, came back in and bought some latex gloves. Gerwing had never mentioned any latex gloves during his statements to police, and investigators never found any in his cars, home, or office. Now it's becoming evident to police that Gerwing may be trying to hide something. But soon, investigators do find a clue that Gerwing couldn't possibly hide. Video surveillance from the front of a restaurant next to Gerwing's office the night the Calverts went missing. It was apparent that Dennis Gerwing was pacing back and forth uh, in the late evening and early morning hours of uh, March 3rd and 4th. Police dogs have already sniffed for signs of the Calverts at that spot, as well as other areas behind Gerwing's office building. Faced with no solid evidence to implicate Gerwing, investigators weigh their options. I think when we got to the point where the purchase of the latex gloves was made, we had established enough probable cause to search for any evidence that would help us determine what led to the disappearance of the Calverts. On March 8th, the Sheriff's Office executes search warrants. 
returning once again to Gerwing's home, office, and cars. But instead of just doing a look around, uh, we did a search for any forensic evidence. Nothing was found. Zilch. Police can't pin anything on Gerwing. But soon, a promising new lead emerges. The last phone call he made that night was to the only witness to the planning, Shaha, his employee. With mounting suspicion of foul play and the disappearance of Elizabeth and John Calvert, police turn up the heat, hoping to implicate the couple's former associate, Dennis Gerwing. But because he stopped cooperating, investigators turned to Gerwing's associates and friends for clues. All the people that were associated with Dennis Gerwing were investigated, were talked to, uh, were polygraphed. And there were so many different opinions of Dennis Gerwing that we uh, discovered during the investigation. Most never imagined Dennis Gerwing, of all people, could be involved in foul play. But some indicate that the lifelong bachelor was no Boy Scout either. Some of his social habits were questionable. He had some dealings with some uh, extremely shady people that came out during the investigation. Except for a gambling habit and frequent sightings at a local strip club, Police don't learn anything new about Gerwing's activities before the Calverts went missing. But the next day, cops get the kind of information they've been waiting for. One week after the Calverts met with their former accountant, Captain Bob Bromage brings in a young woman named Shaha, who is Dennis Gerwing's assistant, for questioning. She is the last person that Dennis Gerwing called on the evening the Calverts disappeared. According to phone records, Gerwing made that phone call after buying the Band-Aids and leaving the CVS pharmacy and just before he went back in to purchase those latex gloves. The last phone call Dennis Gerwing made on March 3rd was to Shaha, his employee, the only witness to his planning that afternoon. At the sheriff's office, Shaha tells investigators that a few hours before Gerwing called her, he asked that she follow him to the Hilton Head Airport so he could leave his Toyota Avalon there. While she followed him to the airport, Gerwing made a brief stop at his house. She says he went in for a minute or two, came out with nothing. Shaha says afterward Gerwing then drove to the airport, dropped off his car, and then left with her. His explanation to her was that he had friends coming into town. On their way back to work, Shaha says Gerwing instructed her to stop at the Graco hardware store. She said he went in and bought some tablecloths or something, so we went back to Graco and found the receipts for the purchase, found Dennis on video purchasing three very large uh, industrial-strength drop cloths. Shaha asked what the cloths were for. Gerwing replied he was in the middle of a painting project. Friends and close associates of Gerwing said he was not the kind of guy to do a lot of manual labor. He wouldn't be doing painting. Shaha says later at the office, around 5.30 p.m., Gerwing asked her to go to Harbortown to pick up some reports at the Calvert's office. 
When she left, she saw John Calvert arriving for the meeting. It was apparent that Dennis Gerwing was going to ensure that he was at the office alone. He sent her on a mission, then called her and said, don't come back to the office. We can take care of it in the morning. But Shaha says the next day at work, March 4th, the morning passed without any sign of her boss. She says Gerwing finally showed up at around one in the afternoon, making no mention about why he was late. But he did ask her for one more favor, to pick him up at home the next morning and take him to the shop where his GMC was repaired. That next morning, Wednesday, March 5th, Shaha picked up Gerwing at his home. She noticed his Toyota Avalon was now back in his driveway. Cops can't figure out who drove it there. The car was originally at the airport, but we don't have any evidence that anybody came into the airport to visit Dennis Gerwing. Well, nobody else was at his house. As investigators mull over Shaha's story, they keep coming back to Gerwing and those three drop cloths. These are commercial grade, nine foot by 12 foot drop cloth that would certainly keep blood or any other hair or fiber evidence from getting in the vehicle if, let's say, the bodies were wrapped up in these drop cloths and they were secured. By the end of March 10th, with so much circumstantial evidence now pointing to Dennis Gerwing, investigators are ready to publicly name him as a person of interest in the Calvert's disappearance. The announcement will be made on the next day, March 11th, the same day a prayer vigil is planned for the Calvert's an emotional gathering of the Calvert's family and friends. To see that vigil come together, I was, uh, you know, I was crying pretty hard. But then, shocking news. It started unraveling at that point, like there is some serious, serious stuff going on here. March 11, 2008, eight days after Liz and John Calvert mysteriously vanished, family and friends are planning a candlelight vigil for later in the day. But this morning, the Beaufort County Sheriff has plans of his own to make an announcement about the last known person to see the Calverts, their former accountant, Dennis Gerwing. We were doing a press release uh, indicating that Dennis Gerwing was a person of interest. How will Gerwing respond? The sheriff's about to find out. In the hours before the Calvert's prayer vigil, Hilton Head Emergency Dispatch gets a 911 call from Dennis Gerwing's attorney. He's been trying to get in touch with his client since the day before, and Gerwing isn't answering. Dennis was living in a townhome or a condo, if you will, because his home was being cleaned because we had done a, a thorough search uh, with a search warrant of, of his home, and so he was staying in one of the units that he, that he manages while that was being done. Firefighters gain entry, and investigators are shocked by a grisly scene. Gerwing had locked himself in the bathroom of the master suite. It was pretty uh, violent. Um, there was a lot of blood on the walls, on the floors, sinks and bathtub. There was 360 degrees of blood in that bathroom. In the tub, Dennis Gerwing's naked body lies lifeless, riddled with knife wounds. 
penetrating his thighs, his legs, his wrist, his neck, his throat. As forensic technicians process the crime scene, darkness falls at Harbortown, and a candlelight vigil honoring Liz and John Calvert is held. It was under the Liberty Oak Tree, which is very special. John and Liz, not only did they invest in it you know, personally, but John actually asked Liz to marry him here. You know, to see that vigil come together, you know, I was crying pretty hard, and I got in a phone call at the vigil um, that, you know, the former accountant had committed suicide. And that just doesn't, you know, set up a good scenario for what really had happened to Liz and John. Police rule Dennis Gerwing's death as suicide. Based on the weapon, a bloody steak knife found sitting next to Gerwing's right hand, a handwritten note next to the bathroom sink, and handwriting scrawled on a bedsheet in the adjoining bedroom. Of course, your hopes uh, are up that uh, the notes are going to include something that's going to lead us in the right direction. But it gave us nothing. But it did tell us something, though, that uh, Dennis Gerwing knew that he was a person of interest. He was a suspect uh, in in John and Liz's missing. He never took an opportunity to say, I had nothing to do with, you know, uh, know, with the missing couple. He did, in fact, in the suicide note, claim that everything that happened happened at SPC. SPC is Sea Pines Center the office complex where the Calverts last met with Dennis Gerwing. Police search the club group there again for a third time and still cannot find a speck of evidence or trace of blood. But another forensic investigation and Gerwing's club group partner do provide some answers. Dennis Gerwing discussed with his partner the day before the suicide a forensic audit. The audit is quite revealing. It shows that Gerwing embezzled about $2.1 million from his clients. He took over $200,000 from the Calverts alone, and Liz Calvert was apparently onto it. Liz was very smart, and um, I think she'd started seeing some signs of this as much as six months prior, and she wasn't going to let it go. An email Dennis Gerwing wrote to a friend spells out his feelings about Elizabeth Calvert. They referred to her as a viper. They didn't get along, and uh, she had discovered some financial issues uh, with their accounts and made Dennis uncomfortable. I mean, he knew then uh, that it wouldn't take long for her to figure out that uh, there was some money issues here. Elizabeth was, she was tough. And she was on to Dennis Gerwing. She was on to Dennis Gerwing, and it scared Dennis Gerwing. I don't think there's any question about it. He knew that he would be going to prison. Even if Gerwing were alive today, police still lack enough evidence to actually implicate him in Liz and John Calvert's disappearance. Analysis of that soil found on his kitchen floor fails to geographically pinpoint a possible burial site. And investigators still can't figure out Gerwing's whereabouts after he was seen pacing on closed-circuit television near his office the night of March 3rd the same night the Calverts went missing. Today, rumors abound about what really happened to Dennis Gerwing and to the Calverts. When we're talking about Dennis Gerwing, there are folks who believe he did not take his own life. Then there are people who have their own theories about the Calverts, maybe the Witness Protection Program, um, that they're 
out just enjoying life somewhere else and they're getting away. Then there are folks who think Dennis Gerwin killed them. The sheriff's office says there was never any reason to believe the Calverts were placed into witness protection. But to be sure, they check with federal authorities, who confirm there's no basis for the theory. We know that their credit cards haven't been used. Their bank accounts haven't been accessed. We have both of their passports. You know, their cell phones haven't been recovered. Their cell phones haven't been turned on. After a $65,000 reward for clues went unclaimed, the money is now being donated to college scholarship funds in the Calvert's names. But police still search for anyone with information or a connection to the Calvert's disappearance. We're hopeful that we will someday get a phone call or something that will bring closure to this investigation. Because the family members, you know, obviously highly upset with no closure. Uh, can't imagine their anxiety. On October 22, 2009, a court order declares the Calverts legally deceased, a formality that allows their business, Harbortown, now managed by Liz's brother David, to continue running. But it's little comfort for friends and family. I, I think for me, the hardest part is just not having John and Liz here. That uh, the working with them, the, the leadership, the guidance, they were close to family to us. Liz was a great friend. I didn't realize how, miss, how much I missed our conversations until they ended. You know, I still have her phone number in my phone. You know, I, I can't quite erase it. I keep imagining, you know, you're going to get that call one day, you know, saying, hey, we found them. But it could also be the other end where you live the rest of your life and you don't know where they are. And I think that's, um, that's not right. You know, once somebody harms your family, you're going to have to live with it. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.